notice that there is a problem in our country and world? Now, my distaste for our mainstream media continues to grow. And it grows because all that seems to be pushed, all that seems to be emphasized is fear and hatred and division. And there's not much that's mentioned about solutions and very rarely things that are good or pleasing that is actually really happening on a regular basis. But no matter my feelings about the media, the reality is, let's be honest, we have problems. We have political problems. We have racial problems. We have some violence and mistreatment of our police problems. We have crime. We have addictions to drugs, pornography, materialism. We have hatred. We have selfishness. We have a country that is moving further and further against freedom of speech unless that speech agrees with popular opinion. We have disease. We have abuse. We have depression. We have anxiety. We have hopelessness. And my favorite, we have kids who are disobedient to their parents. We've got all of these things that are going on, and, and I know this because I've lived along this earth and in this country long enough that government and legislation cannot fix the core issues because most of the core issues that we face as a society begins in a person's heart. And so it's not going to be outward legislation that's going to transform. It's got to take place from an internal change that then gets reflected in our real lives. Now, don't mishear me. I want you to hear me clearly. Everything that is wrong and evil in our world is directly or indirectly tied to our sin and the consequences of that sinful nature. I mean, go back to the very beginning with with Adam and Eve where everything was perfect, There were no problems. There were no issues. But yet they made a decision to say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to choose to do my way and not God's way. And so I'm going to eat of this apple, this forbidden fruit. Now, before we start blaming, you know, Adam and the consequences of what that meant, you know, to our world, to our planet, to everything that was to come, we need to stop and look in the mirror. Because honestly, we're all chained by our sinfulness. All of us, for, for everyone has sinned, Romans 3.23 says, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. That's you and that's me. Now, I, I know we are in June, but I love Christmas time, okay? And one of my favorite Christmas movies is A Christmas Carol. You know, the one with Ebenezer Scrooge, who is just so mean and nasty and selfish and all about himself and nobody else And yet he gets a night of opportunity. He gets a night of potential redemption. He gets a night to go through a hard experience to recognize where he is and potentially change the course of his life and subsequently the lives of others, maybe forever. And he's visited by three ghosts. But before the three ghosts comes of past, present, and future, his old partner, Marley shows up. Now, Marley's been dead for seven years. And many of you know this story. And he, and he comes in with this chain. And, and I want you to see this. You know, he comes in with this just, this noise and this chain as it comes in. And, and it's just, it's around him and it's gathered and it's got it all tied down. And, and what he says is he says to Scrooge, he says, hey, Scrooge, this chain 
is been on me all of my life. In fact, this was the chain that I forged in life. And Scrooge looks at himself and he's like, wait a minute, I don't have any chain. He goes, your chain is far greater and far heavier than the one that you see now. You know what that chain represents? His sinfulness. His chain represents the wrong that he has done in his life. There was nobody else to blame, nobody else to put on except for himself. And yet, here's the good news. The good news is to be unchained starts and ends with Jesus. See, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, Please listen, just during this time, just for the next few moments, because this is great news. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, let this be a reminder of the great news in which we live, even in a dark experience. For Jesus has come to unchain us and to set us free. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians chapter 2 as we read one of the most famous passages in all of scripture that proclaims this good news. In verse 6, it says this of Philippians chapter 2, though he was God, though Jesus was God, Jesus did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. See, he humbly left his place in heaven to be a man and to die for us. He thought of us. His attitude and actions were out of love for us. Everything that Jesus did was voluntary. It was his choosing. And so therefore, because he did all this, because he left his place, because he died to bring us back into a right relationship with him, therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that the name of Jesus, every knee in heaven and on earth should bow and every knee under the earth should bow and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The great news is the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus that creates a bridge between God and man so that Jesus can set us free from our sin that so easily entangles and we be unchained with him. What we do with Jesus' sacrifice, his life and his death and his resurrection, has eternal implications in our lives and in the lives of those around us. But it's a choice that you and that I have to make. See, in Romans, the very next verse, in verse 24, it says, Yet God freely, even though We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, yet freely God ingraciously declares that we are righteous. That means we have a right standing before God. How? He did this through Jesus Christ, not through us, when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God. We are unchained with God. How? When we believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. Do you see and do you understand that you, like me, have done evil? We have sinned. Do you know in your heart and in your mind that you, like me, need a Savior? 
And that just like I did many, many years ago, I surrendered my life to Jesus because of what he did and he set me free. What did you choose to do with that message? What do you choose to do with that statement? See, right now, because I have no idea who's watching anywhere in the world, I want to give you that opportunity to talk to God yourself. Whether you want to thank him or whether you want to receive him before we continue in this passage. Let's just pray before we go any further. Because I think that there is somebody out there or multiple people out there right now, wherever you may be at, who need to receive the great news of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for the good news, the great news that you modeled, that you left heaven to connect us to you. And I pray, Father, if there's anybody who's watching right now, that they would say in their hearts and in their minds, just simply, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. Father, for those who are already followers of you, may we just thank you once again for setting us free and changing our hearts and giving us a perspective beyond ourselves, our circumstance, our country, and our world. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I just want to celebrate because I believe that there's some of you right now whose eternal destination has changed and just as important, your life is going to change from here on out. Now that we know or are reminded of this truth, let's back up because this passage in Philippians does not start in verse six. It actually starts in verse one. And so as you think about your relationship with Jesus, here's what I want you to do. Follow me in this passage. Philippians 2.1. Is there any encouragement in your relationship with Jesus from belonging to him? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? In other words, has Jesus made any real difference in your real life? Has he made any difference? Has he brought the encouragement, the comfort, the connection with others who also believe in Jesus? Has your heart gotten more tender and compassion? Here's what I can tell you. I've been here at Valley Real Life for almost five years now. And I know that Jesus has grown me. Honestly, through his word, by his spirit, through our elders, through our staff, through our groups I've been, through our adoption, through my wife and family. I can also tell you that even though the last few months where I haven't been able to see many of you face to face, I know for a fact that there are so many of you who could say the same thing in your own lives. In fact, here's what I want you to do right now, right where you're at, even if it means pausing what you're watching right now, can you just text somebody else? Can you just text them and just say, I see the evidence of Jesus in your life and how. Can we just bring encouragement? There's so much negative that's going on just for a few moments. Can you just text somebody that you say, you know what? I have seen God in you. I've seen you grow. I've seen you be an example of what we're reading right now. Do it right now. Just take a second. It's worth it. It'll mean the world in somebody's life. See, as a response to what Jesus has done and the difference that he has made in our lives, our response, not out of guilt or obligation, is to live, to love, and then to serve together like Jesus. 
How do we do that? How do we live, love, and serve together? What's great is that in this passage, he tells us how to do that. The first way to live like Jesus, because what Jesus has done and the difference he has made in my life, this is how I do it. Be unified. Be unified. It says, then make me truly happy, Philippians 2, 2, by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and one purpose. This is a deep abiding internal unity with one another, not letting this preference of mask or no mask, not letting the preference of what we see or examine. I've got strong feelings. You've got strong feelings about all that is going on in the world around us, but Christ has called and compelled us to be unified to come together around the main things that are most important, connecting to him and connecting others to him as well. Second thing he says, in addition to be unified, is to be selfless, to be selfless. He says, don't be selfish and don't try to impress others. Be about other people. So he says, be unified be selfless. That's what's going to help us in unity. And then third, he says, to be humble. The second part of verse three, be humble, right? Thinking of others better than yourself. Thinking of others. Now, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Let me say it one more time. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Man, I've had a bunch of people in my life, who have modeled this. My grandfather comes to mind. He was one of the strongest followers of Christ I've ever known. And what's interesting is it correlates with him being one of the most humble people that I've ever met in my life. So does my Bible professor in college, a youth pastor, and I also think about guys on staff like Scott Sparley, Adam He, Brad Pesnell, and many others. We've got to be unified. We've got to be selfless. We've got to be humble. The next it says is to be aware. Verse four, it says these words. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. See, it's okay to look out for your own interests, but not exclusively. See, now we live in an age where we need to be listening to others. We need to be engaged with them. You might remember a couple weeks ago, I talked about in this season of hostility and anger and everybody wanting to be understood Take time to understand, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And so I see this happening. I just want to encourage you. I see people stepping in, leaning in, listening a lot more to what others are going through. But I want to warn you of just one thing, because I see a generation that's coming up that doesn't know the difference between listening and fully accepting and believing. See, we think taking an interest means I have to agree with whatever that person says. No, it means I love them, I encourage them, but I've got to stand by what God's truth has to say concerning our time and our culture. And so we need to take an interest. We need to be aware. So we've got to be unified, be selfless, be humble, be aware, and lastly, be mindful. Verse 5 says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Now that word attitude is also translated mindset or mind. So have the same mindset or attitude as Jesus Christ. Well, how do I have the same mind as Christ? 1 Corinthians 2.16 tells us, who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. When you accept Christ, 
He plants his spirit inside of us. And as we attune to his word, we also can have the mind of Christ. And you realize when we have that mindset, when we have that attitude, it determines the direction of our lives. See, our attitude and our mindset determines the direction of our lives, right? How often do you wake up and the day has already been determined? It's already been determined. How do I know? Based on your attitude, based on your mindset. I already know in my own heart and mind, and you know in yours, and you know in your kids, and you know in your friends, how is the day going to go? It doesn't matter the circumstance. What is my attitude? What is my mindset going into the day, into the circumstances, into the season of life? When I focus on the mindset of Christ, it gives me a perspective that is, that is not related to circumstance. And that's what he's trying to help us with, to make sure that we are united, we are selfless, we are humble, we are aware, and we are mindful. And here's what I need you to understand. I can't do these things as if it's a checklist, and neither can you. In fact, what is your mindset focused on right now? Because I know I need the help of Christ and his spirit in me. I also know I need others to help me in this season, especially now to come alongside me, and so do you. See, my greatest concern, my greatest concern is not whether or not or how we come back or how we re-enter. My greatest concern is do you have people in your life that continue to focus you, encourage you, pray for you, and yes, even correct you in Jesus' name to be the community that Christ has called you to be. Now saying that, can you imagine the impact if we lived these things out in relationship with God and each other? Can you imagine, regardless of the circumstances around us and the difference it would make as the heart changes from the inside out as we begin to practice? It's fascinating to me is I don't have to imagine very much because those of you who call Valley Real Life home You have shown me this over and over and over again. And for that, I am eternally grateful. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the chance and the time that we get to gather even now. And I just ask that you would just help us to just be grateful for what you've done, to be mindful, to watch our attitudes, to be unified. Lord, just to be able to reflect who you are And so God, if there's folks out there right now that our mindset or attitude may be not on the things of you, may you change that now. I love you. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for living in us and through us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.